Today we check in with Steve Matson of Matson Angling Promotions, find out what's going on in the Grand Rapids area, and take a very in-depth look at Pokegama Lake. Plus, it's Lake of the Weekday, our lake in the Park Rapids area. Caleb Shavlik has all the details. It's all coming up. Welcome to Fish and Paul Bunyan Country. It's sponsored by Visit Bemidji. Well, first time this year we've been able to get Steve Matson on the air, which is great news. Always love to have him in. Steve Matson of Matson Angling Promotions, welcome back. Hey, Cap. Thanks for having me. I, like I've always said, I, I appreciate the time to, to share with all your listeners of what's happening in the, the greater Grand Rapids area. And it's like, like you said, the first time for us this year and looking forward to this time. Well, we've kind of expanded into the Brainerd area, so there's some new ones that haven't heard you on the air before. So explain to people uh, who you are and what uh, Matson Angling Promotions is. So, yeah, thanks, Kev. So I've been uh, kind of involved in the fishing industry for, for a couple decades now, and I do some outdoor writing and uh, guide trips, and I, I fish uh, tournaments, uh, panfish tournaments and bass tournaments, and sprinkle in a few walleye tournaments here and there as well. So... Uh, just kind of active in the industry and just active uh, promoting this great sport that we have uh, right at our fingertips here in the Northland. Are you a lifetime Grand Rapids area native? I have been in Grand Rapids since um, probably 1990. Uh, my parents relocated up here in 1990, so I actually graduated from Grand Rapids High School uh, back in 1992. Um, and we've kind of been all over the Northland, I guess, in uh, our married life with my wife. Uh, we've been in International Falls. We've been in Brainerd. Uh, the furthest south that we've been is actually Brainerd, uh, but mostly mostly in the Grand Rapids area, I guess, is where we've been been uh, spent the most time. <laughs> well, you fished a lot of Paul Bunyan country waters, and from Brainerd all the way north. That is absolutely correct. Yep. Steve, um, what's your favorite fish to go after? My favorite fish to go after is, is really anything that's biting. Um, and that's of particular importance, I guess, with a, a young son that I'm trying to get interested into uh, the great outdoors. Um, try not to fight any bites. Um, so we, we tackle panfish. We go after bass. We go after walleyes when they're biting. And, uh, but what's near and dear to my heart, I think, is uh, smallmouth bass. Um, just some, something about them, the way they fight. Uh, pound for pound, they're just they put up such a big fight. Um, when when they're biting, you catch them on pretty much anything, and it's it's just a ton of fun. You can catch them deep, you can catch them on top waters. Uh, just a, a pretty active uh, fish that you can catch in multiple multitude of different ways, and so that really really tugs at my heartstrings, I guess the most. Well, certainly there is a, there's a lot of smallmouth down in the Park Rapids area, a few areas in Brainerd. Uh, we're getting more and more up here in Bemidji. What about the Grand Rapids area for smallmouth? Is it a, is it a pretty good smallmouth area? Yeah, I mean, it, like you said, they're kind of popping up all over the place, and I don't know if that's attributed to the, to the Clean Water Act that the government put in or whatever, but they sure seem to thrive in, in clean water and clear water, and uh, we certainly are blessed to have, you know, a lot of that up in the Northland and around the Grand Rapids area, you know, the... The flagship lake, I, I guess, is Pakegama Lake, and that's a deep, clearwater lake, and that's chock full of smallmouth. You, you know, if you look off to the, the east, you have uh, Trout Lake. Uh, a little bit north, you have the Wabana Chain. That, that's chock full of smallmouth. I mean, sprinkled all, all around Itasca County, uh, you certainly have a lot of smallmouth. And, of course, if you go down towards the Brainerd area, you have, uh, at one point, it was the, the greatest smallmouth fishery on the, on the planet, and that's Malax. Uh, but if you go at the whitefish chain and even gull, uh, you know, there's, there's smallmouth that are uh, showing up kind of all over the place. Uh, and certainly around the Grand Rapids area, a lot of clear water. And they're, they're, they've been around for, you know, a long time in some of these lakes. And 
I think really what it is is a lot of guys are, are getting better at, at catching them, and so you go to places that um, you wouldn't expect them to be there, and they're actually there, and uh, it's kind of it's kind of fun. Like I said, when, when it's a fish that tugs at my heartstrings, it's kind of neat to see um, them showing up and people being successful catching them uh, all over the place. Have they been the hot biting your area lately? So the hot, it, you know, if anyone who's a tournament angler, you realize that, you know, it, it may be slow for a lot of folks, but somebody's going to figure out how to catch them. And um, as far as smallmouth goes in, in our area, I would say that they're, they're finally done spawning. Uh, up, up, you know, up until maybe a week or so ago, you used to be able to find some on beds. And, um, but now that's, that's pretty much past tense. And so the fish are kind of recuperating from the spawn and they're kind of heading over to the edges. I was, uh, <clears throat> fortunate enough to hop in the boat on the fourth. Um, <laughs> usually I try to stay off the lake, at least Pacagama Lake on the fourth, just because <laughs> it is, uh, it's just buzzing with people with, you know, pleasure boating and water skiing and tubing and all that, that it gets to be pretty chaotic for somebody who's trying to go and uh, catch a fish or two. But uh, mornings, mornings are still okay. And so I was able to hop in the boat with an old friend, tournament partner, Matt Christie, and we were able to go target smallies on Pekegama. Like I said, they're getting over the spawn, and the good thing to see is they're starting to, to group up. Uh, we saw quite a few wolf packs. We caught quite a few fish in the morning, so they're starting to you know, put the feed bag back on and get interested in a few different baits. And so that was, that was pretty fun. So, and I think that's been pretty consistent, uh, throughout the other lakes in the area, the, the Wobanas and the Trouts and, uh, the Deer Lakes where they're, they're finally starting to group up. So, uh, they're still, they're still kind of hanging out on the, the shallow structures. So your, your humps and points and, and reefs and things that are in, you know, say four to, 10 feet of water they're still occupying that that type of space and yeah now they're just they're starting to, to feed a little bit so um top waters are are really kind of started out kind of slow but i know that's a lot of a favorite way of a lot of anglers to catch catch smallmouth and those that'll start to really take off here as the, the fish are totally recovered from the spawn so uh look look to do that in you know the low light conditions of mornings and uh, afternoons and kind of target the edges later on as it, we, we get into summer. But uh, right now they're still up kind of cruising around uh, the shallow structure. So if you creep up on it with your boat, there's a lot of times you can visually see them. You know, if you got good polarized glasses and there's not too much chop on the water, you can you can see that the fish are up there. So it's kind of, it's kind of neat in that regard that you can uh, visually see the fish that you're kind of trying to trying to catch well we're definitely seeing it cool down this week but we've had a lot of blue sky and a lot of heat uh and not so much not not a lot of wind unfortunately at least here in the bemidji area that's usually not necessarily bad news for bass but it certainly can affect the walleye what's the walleye bite doing over there so real really good point and that that is so true you i mean for most purposes you, you definitely need the wind for the walleyes and uh overcast is always better um last the weekend the weekend before the fourth they had the uh the graha uh walleye shootout and that was saturday june 26th on pakegama lake um and again like you said kev it was you know bluebird skies warm calm no wind and um you know tough tough content tough content Tough conditions normally for a walleye angler, uh, but you know these guys are, are really good at, at adjusting their tactics and figuring things out. Dylan Mackey, the team of Dylan Mackey and Joe Bricko took the top spot with uh, 36.54 pounds of walleye for five fish. Um, and that top spot for that Waha, uh, Graha walleye shootout was $18,000 for a one-day tournament. So, pretty pretty good payout yeah. for a one-day of fishing. Uh, the father-son duo of Gordon and Easton Fothergill took second with 33.69 pounds. Uh, and then the big fish in the tournament was something like 11-something 11, 11 pound fish. Whoa! Of a, a walleye that was caught. Um, so most of the, uh, the scuttlebutt about what was happening is the guys were, were using their electronics quite extensively, and, and it sounded like they're fishing mainly with leeches and big minnows. 
So guys that were, you know, marking big fish, it sounds like they were soaking some big minnows down there and waiting for the big fish to bite. And, and a lot of other guys were using leeches. And, you know, when it, when it gets calm and, and sunny, it's, um, you know, I say that I don't like to fight the bite. And, you know, if you're, if you're accustomed to, um, you know, trolling for walleyes and trolling spinner rigs or crawler setups, you know, when it's flat, calm, and sunny, it's, it's tough. you got to wait for that last bite window at the end of the day and hope that you get some bites. But um, that's one thing that these tournament guys do is they figure out a way to make it happen. And it sounds like a lot of these guys were using, you know, the old-fashioned slip bobber. So trying to trying to get away from the fish a little bit and throw a, you know, a leech or something, some type of minnow on a slip bobber set up and try to be a little more stealthy and that you don't put your big boat over them and, you know, spook the fish. It sounds like uh, you guys are doing that that type of thing. So um, old-fashioned, I mean, we've been catching fish under, you know, bobbers for a long, long time, but uh, there's a reason why it worked, worked way, way back in the day, and there's a reason why it still works today, and that's, it's a simple setup, but when you can present it in front of the fish, it works. And uh, it sounds like that's what the, a lot of the, the good finishing teams did is, is kind of pursued that instead of trying to, you know, troll some type of crankbait or something like that through a uh, fish and spook them when it's flat, calm, and sunny. They kind of just stayed back and, you know, kind of just pursued them in a more stealthy way. And, and that kind of goes to show, I think, like what you were saying, uh, with it being flat, calm, and sunny, sometimes if you're really uh, dead set on catching a walleye, sometimes you have to change up your tactics. And I know that's not easy for a lot of people, but uh, sometimes that's what you need to do to to stay in contact with your you know, your favorite fish. So, well, Pokegama is such an interesting lake, and you know it's deep. There's a lot of hiding places, which I think is probably why you can occasionally get those 11 pound walleyes. They can they have a lot of places to hide and grow big, but they also have a, a food base that's unbelievable there. Exactly. Yeah, and that's that's the one thing that uh, is a little bit concerning, um, you know, with this such a warm spring and surface temperatures approaching 80 degrees and we're barely into July. And, you know, last time, uh, of course, you're talking about the smelt. It's got rainbow smelt in there. So they got a very nutritious, uh, you know, oily uh, food source in there that helps grow the fish pretty fast and very healthy and um, sometimes in these, these lakes, the, it, it gets hard on the smelt because they, they want to be in cool water, but there's no oxygen down there. And when it gets too warm where the oxygen is, they, they get into this uh, issue where they take your death one way or another. And hopefully that doesn't happen. I think what happened last time, you know, probably six, seven, eight years ago, maybe it's been, a, a, you know, 10 years ago already, but there, there was a huge smelt die off and it was a warm, warm type spring and, I, but I but I did hear recently uh, from a friend of mine. They said it was kind of a bacteria that took over that kind of killed some of the smelt before. But they are they are pretty healthy, um, and so far uh, everything knock on wood is gonna gonna stay that way. But yeah, you're right. There's a, an excellent food source in there that just helps grow big, really big. Uh, you know, all fish, panfish. I mean, crappies, bluegills. The bass, of course, walleyes, pike, I mean, all the fish utilize that food source, and it really helps grow, um, you know, all those different species of fish uh, pretty, pretty pretty quickly. So you know, the lake really is, as long as it can stay healthy like that, it is really chugging. I mean, if a person likes catching panfish, there's, you get on the weed lines, and you can catch yourself, a, you know, a pile of bluegills and sprinkle in some crappies and it's, uh, it, it can be a really fun lake, and I, I, you're right that with that uh, excellent food source, it does really help put everything kind of in a, on a faster pace. Much more to come with Steve Matson, but up next, it's Lake of the Weekday, and we check in with Caleb Shavlik out of the Park Rapids Area Fisheries Office. This is Fish and Paul Bunyan Country. Hi, this is Dick Beardsley with Dick Beardsley Fishing Guide Service. Are you looking to plan a fishing trip? Look no further as Bemidji, Minnesota is your year-round destination for walleyes, pike, muskie, bass, perch, crappie, panfish, and more. 
With over 400 fishing lakes within a 25-mile radius of Bemidji, come take a cast of becoming a fishing legend. While you're on your fishing adventure, come take a picture with the historic Paul Bunyan and Babe the Blue Ox. Discover the first city on the Mississippi, Bemidji, one step further. Lake of the weekday, lake of the weekday, lake of the weekday, holy cow. It is Lake of the Weekday, and we're headed over to the Park Rapids Area Fisheries Office, checking in with Caleb Shavlik. Caleb, welcome back to the show. Hey, thank you very much. Well, today's lake is Boulder Lake, which is over Dorset Way. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, where Boulder is and how we would get there. A boat is actually located between the city of Dorset and the city of Nevis. And if you're coming in from the Nevis side, you pretty much come downtown Nevis. And when you get to County Road 18, you would head west. Go about five miles, and you come to a it's either um, fairway drive or a brown public access sign. And take a right and go probably about less than a half a mile. You'll be right at, on the west end of Boulder Lake. But if you're coming from Dorset, you would head north on County Road 7, go about a half mile, take a right onto County Road 18, go about a half mile, then take a left at that fairway drive. And you'll drive about a half mile, you'll be at the west side of the lake. All right. And I was taking a look at the map, and, you know, it's a, it's an, you know, 340 acres, not a little pond, but not a big lake by any stretch. Uh, seems to be just kind of a, a gradually uh, descending hole in the ground to about 28 feet. And uh, I was surprised, considering the size of the lake, how good the walleye population is in there. That, that, that motor lake is actually a little secret lake among some people, because you drive by so, um, uh, so many other good walleye lakes, and it's a good population in the lake. You have a wide range of sizes, and but you got to pick your day to go out there because it's a fairly clear lake. So you got to pick either go extremely early in the morning or in the evening, but if you get into them, you'll have a good time. Yeah, I mean, six per net, that's uh, nothing to sneeze at for any lake, really. And a good average size of, uh, you know, about a pound and a half, a little more than that. Yep, that's correct. It's a good distribution between a 17 and 20 inch size, though. And it seems to be a pretty good lake for all the other typical things we like to find in a in a northern Minnesota lake. we got plenty of smallmouth uh, bass or some largemouth bass. we got some northerns, not a ton, but some good size, average size, and plenty of uh, panfish, too. Yep, all the other species are pretty present, and what a lot of people don't know about Boulder Lake is actually there is a fishable population of smallmouth bass in this lake. So it's one of the few lakes that we have in our area that's with a fishable population. Okay. When you talk about the, the northern pike, there's, a, you know, about two and a half per gill net, which is a little lower than a lot of lakes, but actually kind of does help out because it's helping that average size up to just over three pounds. That's that's a good average size. That's a good average size in northern pike. We like Actually, we like to see lakes with the low pike population because mm-hmm. you, you'll be getting some of the bigger ones because you won't catch so many. And actually, that helped the walleye population and also helped the yellowfoot population. How about the crappie and bluegill? What do we see out there for those? As for the black crappie, there's a lot more people that during the ice winter season that actually target them out in a deeper hole. You still find them up to close to 12 inches in the springtime and on the summer. And the bluegill, a lot of people go fishing for them, but you don't hear a lot about but it's typically on the smaller side, so you won't see much above that eight inch. Okay, but it's a great lake when you when you, if you're looking for a, a fun place to go, you know, fish for a lot of different species. It's it's got plenty of action. Yes, it does have plenty of action. It's one of them lakes that if you want to try different methods on a small lake, get out of the wind, and try and opportunity to catch all different sorts of species. Um. You you mentioned it's a few people's favorite secret spot, so they're probably mad at me now. But oh well, that's the way it goes. Um, does it get much pressure? Actually, you know, overall, in the big picture, it did not get a lot of pressure. You might see a couple of boats in the, in the morning, but then a lot of time during the daytime, did not much there. Maybe a little action in the evening, but it's a it's a typical small lake. Not much overall fishing pressure. One of the other things we always like to to check out when it comes to Lake of the Week is. Is it one of those out-of-the-way lakes? Is it well-developed? Um, how does it feel out there? It, it's actually a fairly well-developed lake. A lot of shoreline on the south side, all houses, and there's a resort on the lake. So you're going to see people, especially the resort, during the resort season, there'll be people out enjoying the recreating on the lake. Is there anything that's concerning the DNR right now on, on Boulder Lake? 
And actually on Boulder Lake, yeah, we actually discovered fossil snail last year for the first time. So it's one of them thing. We have been very fortunate in the overall AIS picture in the Park Rapid area, but both fossil snails were found in Boulder. What uh, what are faucet snails exactly? What is the big concern with them? It faucet snails are fairly small, and what really does really does not affect the fish population very much. But it more it might hit the waterfall that you lie that lake in the fall time migration. Okay, um, and again, um, fairly well developed, but uh, a nice lake to get to. It looks like it's fairly easy to find. Does it have a pretty good access to? Yes, it had a very good access. It's a cement ramp. It's fairly medium-sized parking lot, so but you can't get a lot of vehicles in there. But you can get a couple of vehicles. Any particular time of year that seems to shine for Boulder? I, I personally would probably fish at that fall fall season, that late August, early September, especially go up in the mall. I don't you might be able to find them crappies out there. All right, is it named Boulder because there's a bunch of boulders in it? Yeah, that is correct. There's a couple boulders. Could actually one of our benchmarks is actually a boulder on the south side of the lake. So okay, all right. It is Boulder Lake, our lake of the week. And again, uh, give us a rundown on how to get there. Okay, if you're coming from Dorset, you can go on County Road Seven, go about a half mile, and take a right onto County Road Eighteen. Go about a half mile, then it'll be a little brown public access sign or a fairway drive. Take a left on that and go about half a mile. You'll be on the west end of the lake. All right, Caleb Shavlik from the Park Rapids Area Fisheries Office with all the details on this week's Lake of the Week. It's Boulder Lake. Caleb, thanks for joining us today. Thank you very much for having me. Later on in the show, we'll check back in with Steve Matson of Matson Angling Promotions. But right now, it's time for a podcast bonus. Time to check in with Mandy Urich and find out what's going on in Mandy's world. Uh, Mandy, summer is here. It's been really hot. I don't know. It's not the greatest time in the world to go out and catch walleyes, but usually when it gets hot, it's a pretty good time to go out and catch some bass. It is. Uh, and you're, you're right on the money there, Wolf. It's been so hot. Our water temps have been abnormally high. They've continued to rise. I mean, I've seen surface temps up into 86 degrees, which is just mind-blowing, right? There again, you got to remember, that's, that's surface temp. Um, but that's really pushed us forward into what we'd normally see probably in later July, beginning of August, which are some pretty steady bass patterns. So when it comes to bass, uh, I, I say that there's there's two groups, right? There's the ambush, and then there's the schooling group. So the the ambush bass are you normally your giants right those, those are the fours and the fives and the in the sixes and they're big for a reason because they're lazy <laughs> so they literally hang out in a spot and stock you know area and wait for food to come to them and then ambush them right they're expending as little of energy as possible to get the biggest bang back so um th- those are your big fish those are your kicker fish if you're fishing a tournament those are the ones that you want to you know be looking for uh, they're normally onesie twosies, and there's not a lot of them, right? Because they don't want to fight amongst each other for that food. Uh, the second group, the schoolers. This is why I love this time of year. Uh, when you can get into the right pattern, uh, they're schooled up. I mean, it could be ten fish, it could be twenty fish. I thought the other night, uh, and I think I caught almost forty fish off of one spot. It was so much fun. It you know it was like every other cast. Uh, they weren't giants by any means, but when you catch that many fish that are, you know, two to two and three quarter pounds, it, it doesn't matter. That's why this time of year can be super fun. Um, and that being said, pattern. So those schooling fish right now, because the water temp is so high, um, you're going to be seeing those fish uh, during the day moving out deeper. So look at a map, find a steep break line that's you know, directly adjacent to deep water that moves up, uh, that's got good veg on it. I don't care if it's cabbage or if it's it's coontail. They're, they're going to be hanging out there. And sometimes that veg line might go out to 18, 19, 20 feet of water. Don't be afraid to put that boat in 22 to 24 feet of water and pitch up to the, the outside edge of that weed line. Uh, it's, it's deadly. It's great. You can throw Texas rigs. You can throw... Uh, regular jigs. Uh, I mean, heck, the other night it was it was overcast and it was windy, and it was it seemed weird, but yeah, it's boating twenty two feet of water, and I was casting a weightless senko up into eighteen feet of water where that school was, but because it was overcast and it was windy, um, fairly dark, those fish were sitting higher in the water column, 
So basically, it, it hit the water, and you know you could go one, one thousand, two, one thousand, three, one thousand. You had a bite. Mm. So that's another key factor too. Just keep in the back of your head, you know what's going on with those light conditions, because that's going to dictate where those fish are in the water column. If it's darker conditions, they're going to be higher. If it's brighter, they're going to be lower. So making sure that you're throwing that appropriate bait that's going to get to them for where they're at. What do you normally throw at them? What do what the, they seem to like the best right now? Everything. It depends where you're at. <laughs> uh, I was on the river last night, you know, and it was it was raining and it was overcast and gray, and we had gotten a bunch of rain, so the water's really murky. Um, but last night, the pattern on the river there specifically was a chatterbait. Um, but that, that super shallow slop, um, which I thought might go, actually didn't. What I saw is a lot of those fish had pulled out to where, you know, it, there was a drop, maybe like four to six feet, and they were piling in those holes. Um, and then running that chatterbait, uh, not quite at surface, but still a, a slow retrieve, right, because it's a bit of a cold front. It was 60 degrees. Um, seemed to be the ticket. But if I'm, you know, fishing a normal lake, uh, yeah, you can... Texas rigs are great. Uh, any kind of jig that you're throwing there. I normally like a bigger presentation. The later it gets into fall, like I'll start to throw bigger and bigger jigs. And then, you know, once we hit the fall bite, I might be throwing a one ounce jig, you know, by then. Right now, I'm uh, throwing a three ounce jig with a, a bigger profile on it. Um, but you, the frog bite's there. It, it hasn't stopped, but you got to be really cognizant of what that water temp is and how deep it is, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the super, super shallow slop right now, the fish aren't in there, you know? Um, it's it's too warm. We're starting to lose oxygen in their pants. are starting to, to, to die off. Uh, they're decomposing. They're eating up that oxygen. So if you're going to target that slop, make sure that you're in that deeper slop or deep, you know, a slop that's directly adjacent to deeper water so that there's oxygen flowing freely in between them. Um yeah, I, I, I threw my frog last night for the first night, <laughs> and I was just like, I couldn't wait to do it. You know, I look forward to frogging and, and buzz baiting and topwatering all year long, and it was still able to do it, but it, it's only going to get, get better as it goes. Um, and then another key, too, if you're, if you're really good on your grass, obviously that's why we have them, not only to show depth, but to find veg and to find the fish themselves. Uh, a good rule, if you can find the sunfish, you can find the bass. So... If I'm scanning along a, a weed line edge and all of a sudden, you know, I'm out a little bit deeper, maybe 15 to 18 feet of water, and I come up on a, you know, a school of sunfish, I'm going to hit the spot lock, and I'm going to hang out there for a little bit, and I'm going to start making some casts because they are a favorite forage of bass, too. So find, you, you find the food, you find them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's usually how it works. That's how it works for me, too. If you find the food, you usually <laughs> find me. <laughs> Um, so, Mandy, um, you know, obviously we've had a lot of heat, as we noted, not a lot of rain. Um, we've got real issues with uh, low water levels here. What's going on down there? We've been drastically low all season also. I mean, to the point where I, there's one access on, at, at North Long that when you put in, there's a hole, right, obviously, where you put in. But when you come back out to where you go to the buoys, it's 1.3 feet of water right there. Like, it's legitimately over three feet down. We're seeing, you know, docks that are, you know, sitting in six inches of water right now. We got some rain. We need so much more, though. And and the scary part is I start to think about all the shallower lakes, all the smaller bodies of water that don't aren't spring-fed, that don't have a river running through them. We're going to start seeing algae blooms. We're going to start seeing fish kill-offs on, on those shallower ones um, where oxygen is going to become a real issue on them because those plants are going to start to die. They decompose, they eat up all the oxygen, and it's not going to be good. So I, I keep keep my fingers crossed, and uh, we need some rain, and we need a lot of it. Yeah, and on a fishing aspect, I mean, you're talking, you're talking long-term potential issues for a lake. Uh, on the day-to-day fishing aspect, some t- there are areas you can't get your boat in, and also you're, where you normally go to fish, it's not happening there. Correct. Yes, absolutely. Uh, it, it, it's insane. Like in a couple of these areas where I wouldn't even think twice, right, to run across on plane, 
Like, I, I've literally stopped, and I'm glad that I did, and, you know, put the trolling motor down just to see myself, right? Like, because there is no pull up to the access and giant neon sign that says, hey, this lake is officially down four feet, you know? So if you're if you're in that three foot of water, or your map says three feet, well, that's not the actual water level. And, mm-hmm. yeah, I got up to it. I, I could have drafted across it, but it to be that shallow, it, it makes me very nervous. It makes me nervous about... Um, you know, when you're on the rivers, too, uh, just anywhere with structure, you know, nobody wants to have an accident, and people just really, really need to be careful and cognizant about how low the water is. Right. Um, you were talking before we went on the air, um, you know, fish health is an issue, too. Musky anglers very, very concerned about that right now. Yes. So with these water temps coming up so drastically, I mean, across our state it, as it is, um, a lot of the hardcore musky guys, they, I mean, they love these fish. They, you know, they, they chase them. They get excited just to see them. But realistically, like, I feel like, um, you know, they're all champions for those fish. And when the water temp is this high as it is right now, a lot of them are just simply saying, no, we're not going to go out there and actively chase these muskies in the high water temps because it stresses the fish out to the point where it can kill them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, normally they don't see that until, like, August, right, where they, everybody kind of says, okay, yeah, it's, it's too hot. It's already happening right now. So um, I, I know a few of the guys, uh, like, up on Vermilion are still chasing them because their water temps aren't as high, obviously, as they are from here south. But, uh, yeah, it might be a tough season, a tough summer for the musky guys. Well, I know that, uh, boy, I remember a couple of years ago we had a, a long stretch where it was very, very warm. And I think it was probably a little bit later in the year, but uh, still uh, unseasonable for us. And that was a huge concern then, too. It's just a lot of stress. Normally, yeah, we see that in, in August, right? Like, right? You know, we got, we had August into September where it was just in, insanely warm, you know. But yeah, we, we've already seen it now. And. Yeah, I, I, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I'm praying for, you know, a cold front and, and, and rain for a few weeks. <laughs> <laughs> we need it. I mean, it's not, you know, when people are coming up on vacation, want to go fishing and all that, it's not perfect. But, man, we need it. We need it bad. It's, I, I'm trying to think of the last, the last time I've seen anything like this. Correct. You know, we got a little shot of here it rained all day, a nice slow soaker, but, I mean, it's not enough. You look to the north and the wildfires in, in Canada, and it could be a real situation here in Minnesota. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, what about walleye guys? Are they getting any success right now? They are, and I, I actually dedicated a whole night with the new boat and went walleye fishing. Uh, took a couple friends out to Pelican and trolled uh, for them. Um, there's actually two other groups uh Guys, guide groups out there that I, I swung in and talked to when we were on the water, and here again, they were. It's all over the board. They were having success. Um, steep breaks, super thick edge, uh, shallow. Like I felt really shallow, like fifteen feet of water or so, slip bobbering. Like these fish during the day, like midday trip, were piled into like thick vegetation. Um, were. Yeah, I, I was out trolling, and so I was like, oh, all right, well, I'll get on the outside of this, you know, break. It was, I, you know, got out there a little bit later at dusk, thinking those fish are going to move up, right? The lower the light, the shallower they'll go. In retrospect, uh, we caught all our fish in, like, 22 feet of water. So <laughs> <laughs> I found them. It just took me a little bit. Sometimes, you know, we get these rules in our head what we should think and then you just got to listen to the fish you know yeah. if they wanted to troll so that's what we did and you know we, we finally found them but yeah they're, they're still catching them but yeah everybody is just kind of amazed that here again i figured they would be a lot deeper you know they would be out on those humps already um and they're, they're just not they're not pushing out which is good right so <laughs> it, it's fun when they stay shallow like this um when you when you go and you're catching walleye out of 30 35 feet of water like you're killing those fish mm-hmm. right it doesn't matter how slow you reel those fish in you know they're gonna blow their swim bladders you're gonna kill them so any ethical person who wants to go out and you know catch and release even if you want to you know catch to, to eat a few the problem when you bring them to out of that depth of water is 
okay, what happens if you got two people on the boat and you already have your two over, tw- you know, 20 inches and you pull up a, a big one, you know, yeah. that fish is going to die. And so few people can fizz or know how to fizz or how to do it accurately. And that doesn't even, isn't even a guarantee that fish is going to, going to live. So I think right now as they, as they stay in the shallower waters, it's opening up a lot more opportunity for, you know, people to catch them because it's a lot easier when you don't have to get the lead core out. <laughs> um, but it's it's also healthier for those fish. But there again, you know, we're going to start seeing um, hook mortality basically as the water temps rise. That's you know what they're saying now for from locks being shut down completely for for walleye. You know, is to, is to help with that mortality with those, just like the muskies. Those fish get super stressed out in warm water and fighting. You know, isn't good. I'm surprised, to be honest, at how good the walleye bite has maintained, considering water depths are weird, considering we've had so much heat, uh, considering uh, a lot of AIS has cleared the waters up and made it uh, uh, confusing for anglers in a lot of cases to figure out where the fish now live. But uh, I've heard more good reports than I thought I would so far this year. I completely concur with you. I'm, I'm amazed. Uh, the, the Leisure Outdoors boys up in, you know, on Leash Lake, I mean, they're crushing it. Like, they're having absolutely, like, gangbuster walleye years and big fish, too. Um, and even, you know, the guys around here, which I'm, I'm, I'm amazed. I don't <laughs> get it. I know that I'm supposed to understand and put the puzzle pieces together because I'm a biologist, but sometimes there's just so many different aspects, on you know, based on each body of water. But, yeah, it's been a gangbuster year. It has been, and, and uh, you know that's that's. I guess you know it's definitely good news for people who like to go out fish. It's good news for the economy, um, but I just you know hope like you're saying that let's stay out of the deep water. Let's try to keep the fish alive as best we can. Correct. Well, how's the boat? The boat's good. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah, it's, it's nice to get it home. You know, I'm still waiting on some talons and some additional graphs, but I've got you know, everything that I need on there that makes it a hundred percent capable for fishing and everything else is just an accessory. But, uh, yeah, gosh, it feels so good. I, I spent <laughs> honestly like most of the 4th of July because it was so hot out in my air conditioned shop, like perfectly, you know, putting my tackle into the boat and organizing it correctly and getting everything. So it was all tip top and, and sharp for the season. And yeah, I love it. There's so much storage. Like, I literally, almost every piece of tackle I have, the multi-species fish, is now in my boat, which was, I think, 12, 12 giant totes. So, wow. I mean, there's probably 600 pounds of tackle in the boat right now. <laughs> but there's still storage, so that's <laughs> nice. Get it off the shelf, and it's organized, and I don't have to think about it. But, uh, yeah, that wasn't, I, I have to say, that, that wasn't the only new addition to, to my household. Oh, really? Yep. Uh, I might have brought home a West Island Terrier. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so wow. I've got, I've got a boat, and I adopted a, a six-year-old dog with a heck of a backstory. But, yeah, so now I've got two little boat buddies because I have a Jack Russell Terrier uh, that loves to fish, like oh. <laughs> epically loves. So we'll see how she, she does. This week will be her first maiden voyage in the boat. Okay, wow. So you're a sucker for a good dog story. I am. I am totally. At one point, I had five. Whoa. Um, they, yes. Yes. I had a, a very large, I had two labs uh, and three carriers, and they're old, you know, 17, 15, and 14. And so this past year was pretty tough. But, you know, we lost three that passed mm-hmm. away from old age. Um, so I was down to my yellow lab and my, my Tucker, who's also a rescue and yeah, I, I heard the story about this pup and, and her family and, you know, COVID. And, yeah, it was so sad, and I didn't even think twice. So I just said, yep, I'm, I'm taking her. She's coming home with me, and that's all there was to it. You are dangerously close to becoming a dog lady. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> it's better than everybody calling me the crazy chicken lady because they have chickens too. But yes, I, I, I will fully admit and take take that label is probably being a crazy dog lady. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've got something weird coming up—a uh, Monday tournament. 
correct. So there's a, a new series in a, you know, with my boat being delayed, I, I had to really kind of pick and choose what I was going to do for tournaments this year. Um, and I've been able to, to, to fish at least one series throughout since the beginning. Um, but there was a series that was starting later uh, in July, actually. The 12th is the first one. And what a really neat idea for the people that are able to do it. So it's local. It's invite only. So they picked, you know, 12, 12 anglers, um, sent us invites. It's a Monday series. So there's no traffic on the lake. Like, we don't have to worry about weekenders and, you know, a ton of wakeboarding boats. And it's a full eight-hour series. Uh, so yeah, I'm excited. I, I get to get out and, and start a, a new series against some new competitors uh, coming up next week. So there's there's six six tournaments for the whole series, and they're just one day each. So okay, where else will you get to be fishing? Oh, I gotta look at the schedule. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't mean where. <laughs> I, I know, I know that our, actually our first one is on golf. Okay, so um, that that'll be that'll be fun. But it's you know, I would say. Local lakes for us, or for me anyway, so, which made it even more enticing to not have to travel too far. And, uh, yeah, and yeah, no I kidding. take Mondays off for six, <laughs> six derby. Nice. Yeah. So what else is going on in your world? Not a whole heck of a lot. Uh, work, work's uh, busy as normal. Um, <laughs> side note, so I do that. TV show with, with Ray Gildall for, for Lakeland Public Television, and I get a weird phone call on the 4th of July, and Ray says, Mandy, there's a there's a package addressed to you that got sent to, to PBS, and I was like, really? I'm like, what is it? He's like, I don't know. He's like, it's a large envelope, though, and I'm like, what do you want us to do with it? And I was like, well, send it to my house. It's fine. So it came. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I opened up this giant envelope. And there's such a super nice letter um, from an, an older gentleman uh, who watches the show. And he had printed off uh, a few of his favorite photos. Uh, he must have found them on social media or something like 8 by 10 And was like, you know, if you could autograph these and send them back. And he sent a self-addressed envelope. But I was like, oh, my gosh, that's like my first fan mail. Wow. <laughs> I thought that was so nice for him to write, you know, a nice handwritten letter. And he's been watching the show for many, many years. So that was super neat. I'll have to come up with something now to to, to kick it up and send him back. You can't just send him an autograph picture. No, that's, find something. that's pretty cool, though. The only time people want my signature is on a check. So <laughs> Well, if you're finding them, I'll take one, too. Well, that's what I'm saying. That's the only time. Nobody asks for it otherwise. Uh, awesome. Well, that's that's pretty exciting. That's that's cool stuff. And you deserve it. You're 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 a multimedia superstar. Oh boy, I wouldn't go that far, Kev. Come on now. <laughs> well, you don't have to. I can do that for you. See, that's... <laughs> I can be your agent. So this weekend, we want to go out fishing. What species should we be going after if we want to keep the kids happy? And where should we be? The pike are still chewing. It's amazing. Uh, they're starting to push out a little bit more on our main lakes. We caught a lot of pike uh, when we were trolling for walleye, and a lot of big pike, um, which is kind of crazy. I, you see a lot of those slot fish, but uh, we caught a lot of you know thirty-five, you know plus inches. Um, I think you could do that. As we were talking about, those walleyes are still shallow. I mean, they're in the veg. Uh, sunnies are always good too and there again they're kind of everywhere but you can get in the bigger schools um, on that outside weed line edge and there again if you're using your electronics they'll be quite apparent when you come on to school of sunfish uh, pretty much any tactic I and mean, we're golden right now just lay off the muskies and let those guys be but mm-hmm. I, I think you could go for for anything and in the bass right now are still doing really good like I said like you you don't have to throw the super crazy tackle. Get the kids in the boat. Let them cast Senkos. It's super easy. It works. It's fun for them. And you can catch, you can catch anything on the Senko, too. So I actually caught a walleye on the lax on a Senko. So. Oh. All right. Uh, Mandy, uh, let's see. This is probably going to air after this Thursday's show. So next Thursday, do you know what we'll be seeing you on on uh, Lakeland Public TV? I'm not sure. <laughs> okay, we, we know it's in the it's it's the Lakeland it's Lakeland News ten o'clock Thursday nights. Correct. Tune in to find out what Lake Mandy is on next week. 
yeah, well, I have to watch to figure it out too because I, I can't remember. We you know, we filmed uh, so many ahead of time, and I'm not sure exactly what order they're airing in. So <laughs> she's Mandy Urich. Uh, Mandy, anything else before you wrap it up? I don't know. I think that's about it. Just everybody get out and get on the water and enjoy it. I mean, goodness, now that hopefully the super hot streak is going to break for a bit, it should make things a lot more enjoyable. So, yeah, catch big fish. People want to keep up with the adventures of Mandy Urich. How can they do that? Well, they can listen to our to your show. Well, well yes, <laughs> you can of find course. Me on, it, <laughs> on social media, uh, on Instagram or, or, or Facebook too. All right, Mandy, great having you on, and good luck at the tournament Monday. Awesome. Thank you so much. Fish and Paul Bunyan Country. I'm Kev Jackson, checking back in with Steve Matson of Matson Angling Promotions. And Steve, earlier, you mentioned pike. I still don't hear a lot of people going after pike, but I do hear of more and more people, if they catch them, not necessarily throwing them away anymore, and I don't know if that's because... They figured out the Y bones thing or what, but it seems like they're not quite the scourge they once were. Yeah, I mean, I, you you are absolutely correct. And you know, honestly, if I were to tell you what my favorite fish are to eat, surprisingly, you know, the first one would, would obviously be a crappie. I mean, we just love crappie. My family likes it. My son just we love them and love catching them. And but second second would be a, a debate, and and I would almost. <laughs> say that pike is probably my second fish favorite fish to eat once you get past the point of you know dealing with the slime and <laughs> dealing with the y bones the meat is actually excellent and i they're like i said it's debatable but i i do prefer it over walleye but when you mix in the the, the part that it's a little bit harder to clean and you know it takes at least twice as long to clean over a walleye you know sometimes the, the time factor will will sway my decision, but but if you if you you know take the time and, and fillet it up and uh, compare it to you know with with walleye, it, people would never under people would never guess that it would be pike. Right, and uh, and even people that you know have lived in the Northland and have caught you know thousands of pike in their their years, uh, it's kind of kind of funny that people do not really think of it as a as a good eating fish but if they ever tried it boy it would change their mind in a heartbeat i no 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 doubt about it uh, let's talk about the graha tournament the walleye should a graha for those who aren't familiar is uh, grand rapids i think it's area hockey association right which uh is a huge fundraiser for the the youth hockey association i, I don't know if the high school's tied into it or not but it's uh it's for the area area youth hockey and it has become a monster tournament that that tournament is just huge it really is. Of course, anything related to hockey in the in the Grand Rapids area is going to be a big thing. So, uh, the fact that it is a fundraiser, you get uh, all all types of community support from all the you know the local companies and uh, volunteers, and um, they really have done a good job of, of of promoting that and getting getting the interest. And of course, you know, walleye is the king in the Northland. I mean, it just flat out is. So. When you combine uh, hockey and and walleye, it, it's a win-win scenario there for sure. So, but they've done a good job of you know get the community involved and, and excited about the fishing. And you know they got it during a time of year that fishing is is generally good. So people are getting some some success. You know they they kind of moved it around. It used to be June, and the the tournament kind of morphed into what it is today but at one point it was in august and it was a little bit tougher for some of the anglers to find fish but they moved it back to june and uh you know it's, it's just a good time to be fishing in general and and it definitely helps showcase showcase the lake and you know when 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 the top team is is getting an average of over seven pounds of fish to win it oh. and that's 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 a healthy fishery you know <laughs> that's that's a heck of a day you know most people would obviously die to have uh five fish over seven pounds in one day i mean that's that's a lot of fun and then you look at second place and they're not too far behind that so but yeah it's it's like i said you 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 combine walleyes and and hockey in the grand rapids area and you're going to get a lot of support and a lot of people showing up and it's you know when you you look at it tournament wise there's not a lot of tournaments out there that that have that type of payout i, I can't remember what the entry fee is but when when eighteen thousand dollars is for one day of fishing for the top team you're you're going to get the attention of a lot of you know not just local anglers but 
anglers in general because you know some of these other bigger tournaments they're two days or three days and this you know one of one of the best tournaments i think that i know of that pays that type of payout for a one-day event what i really uh find interesting about the tournament is it's 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 well beyond grand rapids Uh, there's a ton of people from bemidji that go over to that tournament uh, $18,000 payout will do it. The opportunity to fish on a really cool body of water, I think, is is also a draw. And as you mentioned, you know, catching seven pounds on average if you're going to win that tournament, uh, that's just a combination that you just don't see a lot. Oh, no, exactly. And, you know, the fact there was, you know, quite a few fish over 10 pounds that that were caught. Uh, I mean, that's just, that's just unreal. I mean, you, you don't really find that too often unless you go to, you know some of the big walleye factories like Lake of the Woods and maybe the main lake or the uh, the Great Lakes. You know they'll kick, kick out big fish, but for uh, you know marginally small lake here, you know in northern Minnesota to kick out fish like that is is pretty awesome. Let's take a look at some of the other uh, lakes in that area. How's Winnie doing? So Winnie's uh, it's kind of been holding its own. The big talk, I guess, has been like the zebra mussels cleaning up the water, and <clears throat> it's, it seems like that's something that's you know, like it or not, is going to be here to stay. It's it's in a lot of the water bodies, and they they spread pretty easily, and they 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 clean up the water. So, I think we've mentioned it before, and you've probably heard it from other anglers that you know the old tactics on Winnie uh, that used to you know be tried and true are are kind of changing a little bit. You go do that in, in the clear water, and it's uh, you're not going to have the success that you used to have with the little bit of stain that it had. And so you you got to change up your tactics, but. You know the the lakes are they're alive and well, and if you you know get get away from the boat a little bit, maybe downsize, and you know think think more clear water type uh, approaches, uh, you know you'll you'll do just fine out there. So yeah, I know one of the things that I've heard a lot of good things about the last couple of years is just a couple of really nice year classes coming along that a lot of people anticipated about now and towards the end end of the fishing season before uh, you know before it freezes over. Uh, those fish are all going to be in keepable range, and they expect the next several years. Uh, once you know, once you figure out how to catch them on the lake, now uh, it should be some really good fishing on Winnie. Right, exactly. And you know, the people that like to catch fish to bring home, you also get to sprinkle in the the perch. You know, it's got a great perch population population in there, and you know, a lot of guys can mix in uh, the perch with with the walleyes, and you know, end up getting a nice fish fry. So. Those those days are yeah. I mean, I think the DNR does the best they can to make sure that we have fish to go after, and and, and it definitely helps to, like you said, have some good year classes that are that are coming up to give us a better opportunity to connect with the fish when we have good year classes out there. What are some other lakes over there that aren't super secret lakes that you know people in that area know real well, but maybe those of us on the outside looking in might not be real familiar with. Yeah, I mean, if you look at, you know, we're 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 blessed. I mean, in, in Itasca County, there's there's a lot of good lakes. You really can just, you know, look at the map and point at it, and you know, it, there's a good chance it's going to be a good fishery. I mean, if you just look outside of Grand Rapids, you look to the south, you have the Split Hand Lakes. They're a little bit of a stain to it, but they they start out, you know, pretty hot for walleyes and. Uh, you stay after it there you can catch, catch your fish there and it, it's it's not you know you, you got to manage your expectations as well um, you know it's not like you're going to a big leech uh, or a winnie where where you can catch you know boatloads of slot fish or you're catching you know one and two and three or maybe four and on a good night you, you may be able to catch your limit but they're, they're smaller fisheries, but, you know, they're, they're kind of right in your backyard, so you're not having to make the long trip to the big lake. And, you know, that's, that's just to the south. If you look over to the east, Trout Lake is set up really like Pakegama. So if people figure it out on Pakegama, they can go to Trout Lake in cold rain and, and catch, catch a bunch of fish there. That's, you know, deep and clear water and nice. If you look, look to the north, you have Bass Lake, you have Deer Lake. Deer Lake is, again, it's set up pretty similar. It's deep, it's clear, it's has a ton of structure and uh you know a little bit further north you have the wabana chain that ties into trout lake and um you know it's it's the the further you get away from grand rapids of course the less less pressure you have but they're really managed well and have good good fishing all around here so like i said you can almost look at a map and just put your finger and say i want to go to that lake and you have a good chance of finding decent fish so 
that's one thing that we're very, very blessed with here around the Grand Rapids areas. You don't just have to go to the one, uh, the one Lake Pakegama and expect to catch walleyes. You can actually, you know, explore a little bit and, and find success uh, on, on a lot of the fisheries around here. And as you go further out, there's a lot of good lakes that are even further north than that. They're east, they're, you know. But, but just looking close to, to the Grand Rapids area, you can find good fishing real, real, real close. Well, Steve, if we're going to hit the water here this week, where on the lake should we be? What, what should we be fishing for? What should we be bringing with us? Yeah, I mean, and like I said, I'm, I'm kind of a multi-species guy. So, I mean, for your walleye guys, uh, by now, you know, everything is, is going to be off the edges. You're going to want to be on the, uh, the deeper flats, um, you know, the, anything with, with weeds that have cover. So your deeper, deeper cabbage uh, beds and the edges of structure that have cabbage, um, you know, you can approach those with your slip bobbers. If, if you're, you know, good with your electronics, then start looking off the, the edges of main lake structure. Uh, you're going to see your fish down there. They're definitely set up on their, their summer patterns. You know, it's not the, the shallow, sandy stuff anymore. It's everything's set up for, for summer now. So, you know, using your butterfly blades or, you know, the wing nut butterfly blades, super depth rigs, you know, pulling your spinner rigs off the structure. Uh, you're going to stay, stay in contact with the fish. Like I said, the, the slip bobber setups, maybe around the cabbage. You know, panfish, America's most popular fish, and, you know, walleye's the king up here. But panfish, hey, if you want to have some fun and get some good table fare, uh, the panfish are starting to hit the edges. I know a lot of the bluegills, well, not a lot of the bluegills, but some of the bluegills are still on beds, but a lot of them are moving off the edges. Uh, we had great success on crappies in uh, 10 to 12 feet of water just along the weed edges just a few days ago so crappies are setting up there of course bass fishing is we're just getting there you know largemouth i think are are full guns uh they're they're off on the deep edges already you know you can catch them in the slop yet mollies are just starting to get there i mean we're right right on the front edge of uh some really good bites so over the next couple weeks uh, look for that to, to pick up and you know, look look for them to be hitting more top waters and more active bait. But yeah, it's it's, it's a really good time to be fishing. But definitely, uh, we've switched from spring tactics to summer tactics. And you know, our our bite window is going to be pretty good here for the next couple of weeks. And then, you know, once all the forage and start to get a good size, then it, it it tends to be the dog days of summer, and it tends to you know make fishing a little bit slower. Not impossible to catch fish, but definitely makes it a little bit tougher. But uh, yeah, these next couple of weeks should be. All in all, no matter what species you want to go after, it should be should be good here for the next couple of weeks. So make sure if you planned on, you know, catching fish and uh, having some fish fries, make sure you try to do it sooner than later. Put the odds in your favor. Steve, if people want to uh, keep up with Steve Matson or uh, see what uh, Matson Angling Promotions has going on, maybe even book a trip, uh, how do they go about doing that? Yeah, so they can send me an email at steve at mattsonangling, M-A-T-T-S-O-N-A-N-G-L-I-N-G dot com. Cell phone's 244-5092. They can send me a text message or give me a call. And, yeah, if somebody's in the Grand Rapids area and is looking to get out and catch a few fish, uh, be happy to try and find some time and carve out some time to be able to take them out. Steve Matson of Matson Angling Promotions joining us today on Fish and Paul Bunyan Country. Always great to have him on the show. Hey, Steve, thanks for all the insight today. Appreciate it. Not a problem. Anytime, Kev. Always look forward to your calls, and uh, we'll talk to you soon here. As we head into the weekend tomorrow, we're going to check in with Jason Rylander of North Country Guides. He'll get us caught up with the fishing scene, and we're talking tournaments. He and partner Dan Fuller were on Otter Tail Lake as we talked, getting ready for Friday's Lund Mania event. Plus, he's on the committee of the Lucan's Village Foods United Way Fishing Tournament, so we'll talk about that tournament as well. And we'll also check out the Brainerd Lake scene with Craig Dickmeyer. Don't forget to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. And subscribe to the podcast at Podcast One or on the PodMN app, which also gets you access to hundreds of other Minnesota-based podcasts. That'll do it for today. I'm Kev Jackson. This has been Fish and Paul Bunyan Country. Now we go fishing Paul Bunyan Country. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. It's crazy to think that a few weeks ago we were talking about whether or not Tua Tagovailoa should consider retiring after two concussions and worldwide debates on player safety and NFL culpability. Tua has done nothing but go back to work and currently has the Dolphins riding a three-game win streak and one loss behind the division favorite Buffalo Bills. While everyone was yapping about the end of his career, Tua Tagovailoa said he'll decide when it's time. 
and clearly he's not ready to hang up the cleats. Hi, this is Chris Howard from the Plugged In with Chris Howard podcast. BetOnline.net is your number one source for betting football and the start of the new basketball season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news podcasts, and in-depth analysis on every game. BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information with live betting up to the minute scores for every the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including the MLB playoffs, the start of the NHL season, MMA, boxing, and golf. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. 